What about uh, <coughs> parenting and uh, fatherhood and the lack of fatherhood within the parenting uh, <coughs> sector? So I think while there's less, there's less consensus on the matter of addressing it, there's a growing consensus on masculinity somehow become disengaged from fatherhood. And that's really important. Um, that somehow fatherhood is, has been, uh, what would you say, like, pulled away from what masculinity means. Um, and there's all types of different concepts of masculinity that we've been talking about. But I want to argue that masculinity is perfected in fatherhood. <clears throat> uh, that the more of a father you are, the more of a man you are. Um, but uh, before I go into that, I want to talk just a little bit about this, this crisis of parenting. And that is that the parents are listening to their kids instead of the kids listening to their parents. Um, you see this more and more and more. And uh, I think it's, I, there's just a few things that I want to address within it to maybe help you understanding, understand parenting a little bit better. And again, you know, you get to that, you say, what does a priest know about parenting? Uh, well, I, get, I, I work with a lot of parents. I, I get their insights. And I also uh, have my own spiritual children of my own that I need to discipline and take care of. So uh, I'd, like, I'd like to think I know a little bit about it. Um, but there's also a growing trend of both men and women trying to be fashionable. As parents, and I wanted to. So I, I'm kind of a people watcher, and I was totally creeping on these this guy. Uh, but look at that dude. So this is an Italian <laughs> in Italy, right outside of St. Peter's Square, and uh, he's taking a picture of his daughter. Uh, and he has two daughters, uh, and so that means that this guy is at least. Because he's Italian, probably in his 40s, <laughs> because they wait to get married until they're like 35, especially the guys. But I'm like, I mean, like, part of that, come on, man. Anyway, I don't know, but the next one is, is even better. <clears throat> so this is another Italian, uh, and he's with his two little daughters. I don't know if you can read his shirt, but it says, if you like my guns, you'll love my rocket, with an arrow pointing down. And those, are, okay, now, now number one, <laughs> these two guys are in St. Peter's Square. That cracked me up, for starters. <laughs> number two, they're Italian. But number three, they're fathers. I mean, for crying out loud, they're fathers. There's two little, you see the two little girls? Right down here? And I'm like, I mean, part of me is like, come on. And then you got, you got women. You know, guys, guys just dress like slops. Women dress like hookers. And especially moms. It's amazing what moms wear. You know, they have a, I, you know, and I, I'm, I'm kind of partial to Italy because I was over there for so long. You know, and you can't, you can't take pictures of, of women because then you're a real freak. So I don't have any pictures of women. But, you know, there's, you guys have all seen it. You know, the mom with the stroller that has like six inch heels on and tight jeans. And I'm like, you're a mom. Let it go. For crying out loud. Right? But they have to be like fashionable as their kids are. See, moms wearing the same stuff as their teenage girls are. You know, instead of just being parents, everybody has to be fashionable. But the secular job of parents, okay, I want, I want to go through these. These are three wrong sort of growing trends. Or maybe there's four. Three. Three and a half. Four. There's four. Three growing trends. <clears throat> And, and, and partially they're right, but they're kind of, you know, a great truth wedded to a great lie. And the first one is, I have to provide opportunities for my children. 
and to find opportunities for my children. Now, this is true in one sense that you do. I mean, it's great for kids to be in extracurricular activities, to be involved in things. The problem is, is like, you know, parents believe that they have to they have to open their kids up to a variety of different activities. Then when the kid has found what they're good at, then they like throw everything into that. It's amazing. And I'm seeing this as a growing trend. Now, I don't know about the public schools, but I, I saw it at the Catholic high school. You know, it's amazing what parents will say in the stands. Like what they say, I mean, I was at this, it was insane. I was at this, uh, it was a little, little, it was a girls basketball game. And a good buddy of mine has a little girl, she plays basketball. And there was a point when the, the dad got so violent that he came out onto the court. These are like eight-year-old girls. And he grabbed the ref and was like holding him, like getting ready to punch this guy. And I'm like, what is happening to us? I mean, when you hear, I mean, you're sitting in like the stands and the stuff that is, you know, that people shout from the stands at basketball games, especially because basketball games, you know, the coach is like right down in front of you. You're sitting right behind him. He can hear everything you're saying to him, right? Football games. I mean, like these sporting events, like parents go <coughs> insane. They're insane people. They're not logical. They're crazy. And what happens is the kid sees this, and the kid then feels like they have to perform. The parents feel like they have to give the kid everything possible, every great thing, every great, you know, brand new cleats, brand new this, brand new that, and then that becomes their identity. So the opportunities that they provide for their children, whatever they become good at, then the parents just feed that as their identity. And you can see this everywhere. And this is why kids get so caught up in sports. I love sports as much as the next guy, but like there's got to be a point when you realize that you are in high school, class A, Bismarck, North Dakota. Okay? <coughs> that, I mean, it's great to have fire and passion, and you should. But if that's your highest ideal, man, you are going to be terribly let down. Once you get to college, you know? And like, what, is, what are sports teaching? And this doesn't have to be sports. This could be music. This could be ballet. This could be a friend. I don't know. By the way, a little side note. I would never, fellas, you know, I'm speaking just to the men here. If I, I won't have a kid. I was going to say, if I ever have a kid. No. If, if, I would, if I would have been married and had children, there is no way in hell my daughter ever would have been in dance. Ever. Ever. I mean, the, it's, it's just, it, it's, it's actually embarrassing. It's really embarrassing sometimes what, what they're doing. Now, some dance can be very beautiful and can be, you know, like, I once went to a ballet and found it fascinating. It's really beautiful, the movements and all this stuff, but, like, just getting out and shaking your butt in front of, you know, hundreds of parents, I don't understand how that's making them into good women. I really don't. And like the more sexy they can be out there, you know, like the dads are just like, yeah, that's my daughter looking like a hooker. I'm proud of her. It's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. But they feel like they have to feed that because they don't want a parent. And the reason they feed it is because it keeps the kid busy so they don't have to be the parents, right? So the problem is with this, 
I just want to write this out. The parents take way too much control. And all the kid has to do is perform. The problem is, is the parents take too much control. The kid never has to perform. <coughs> and then the love of, of father-son or mother-son or mother-daughter, father-daughter, is all based on doing, not on being. Did you mean the kid always has to perform? Yeah. What did I say? Never. That's not what I said. No, I said always. So the kid always feels like they have to perform. And if the kid's performing well, dad loves the kid. Have you ever seen the movie Friday Night Lights? Okay, I just saw that for the first time. Yeah, I know, I know. It, it's an amazing show. Like, I loved it. But you know what I'm talking about, the dad? Tim McGraw. Huh? Tim McGraw. Yeah, yeah, Tim McGraw. The, kind of the drunk. Like, so long as his kid is playing amazing, he's... The dad is all like, you're the best, you're the best. But when his kid starts fumbling the ball and all this stuff, like, he beats the hell out of him. You know? And so everything is, is, is revolving around football. And so the kid, like, he can't feel love unless he is performing properly for his father. This is where all, you guys, so many wounds come in children. So many wounds. Because they feel like they have to perform. And I'm just never good enough for dad. I'm never good enough for mom. Because love is based on doing, not on being. So why should you be loved by your parents? Because you're their child. Yeah, because you're their son or their daughter. That's the only reason, really. That's why they love you. Because you're my son. Because you're my daughter. Not because you're amazing at sports. I love to watch you at sports, and it's fun, and like I'm always proud of the work you put into it, and I'm gonna, you know, I'll get on you a little bit if you're not giving your, your full effort, but that is not why I love you. That is not what defines you. What defines me is you are my son. You are my daughter, right? And so this is this, you know, this is why so many kids struggle with their parents, because it's all based on doing instead of being. And the kid never gets to feel, I'm just loved because I'm your son. For, Crying out loud. I gotta do something all the time. Okay, second one. The parent wants to make sure the kid is successful. <clears throat> I want my kid to be successful. Now, in one sense, that could be true, right? It's, again, it's a great truth, wedded with a great lot. What do you mean by that? Well, most of the time when secular parents are talking about, I want my kid to be successful, you want him to be rich and famous. Right? I don't know, but the last time I checked, most rich and famous kids, you know, or that, you know, they, they get into fame and they usually fall apart. I don't know if you ever saw the video. I, I was trying to find it. I couldn't find it. But, uh, you know, with Miley Cyrus and Billy Ray Cyrus? So there's this interview in which Billy Ray is sitting there and they're, they're talking to him and they're like, you know, the, the odds of your daughter growing up and becoming a mess are pretty high. And, and, and Billy Ray's like, yeah, you know, you know what I'm thinking? Like, this is what, I, this was so amazing what he said. 
He said, here's, you know, that's what everybody thinks. But what I think would be so great is if she, if that didn't happen to her, and then everybody's like, Billy Ray is like the greatest dad in the world. And I'm like, what? And then he's like, he's like, but the odds are, yes, you're right. They're pretty high that she's going to turn into a mess. And the guy who's interviewing is like, doesn't that concern you? He's like, no, I just want Miley to be happy. I freaking hate that line. <laughs> I just want my kid to be happy. What does that mean? I mean, does Miley look happy right now? Miley looks like a nightmare. You know, and and and, and just be. What, how is how did fame and wealth become the height of what it means to be human? Like, how has that been labeled as successful? You know, like, I, I think real success, I want my kid to be really successful. I want them to be happy and holy. I want them to be a person that gives. I want them to be a person that knows that they're loved, that knows how to give love, that knows how to sacrifice. It's discipline. But when they say, I want my kid to be successful, they don't mean that. And that's another thing, like, again, I go into this whole, you know, like, because you guys are, the vast majority of you are going to be parents. It's amazing, like when you, you know, like, and I, I'm not even a coach. You know, I would, I would help a little bit with soccer and things like that because I was a soccer player. But like, if you didn't play a kid a certain amount of time, the parents were like in your office sitting down with you and like, my kid, my kid better be playing. And you're like, well, your kid's not that good. You know, that's what you want to say, but you can't. But you're like, you know, we try to. Get equal playing time, but we also, you know, we also want to win, uh, and and uh, we have we have our, our really good players that we want to keep in the game. He's like, no, my kid is going to play. I pay money to come here. My kid is going to play. Are we clear about that? I mean, this is stuff people don't ever see. It goes on behind closed doors in like offices of, of the athletic director and all. It's un freaking believable. And then eventually, you know, the kid finds out that the parents did that. And how does it make the kid feel? Like a loser. I can't even fight my own battles. My parents have to go and fight my battles for me. So then they start rebelling against their parents. And then the parents get mad because they're like, I did something good for you. You should be happy. And they're not. They're pissed. And everybody's, and there's just big fights. And it all comes down to this. I think this principle, you guys, of it all, everything is based on doing over being. We have to remember that. And this is why it's so important for you guys right now to come to the realization that your importance doesn't come from your degrees. It doesn't come from your wealth. It doesn't come from your friends. It doesn't come from your boyfriend or girlfriend. It doesn't come from your relationships. It doesn't come from your honors and your careers. It comes because you are loved by the Father. That's it. And the more gentlemen that you can communicate the love of the Father to your kids, the more successful you'll be. And ladies, the more you can communicate the love of the Blessed Mother, who is our mother, to your kids, the more successful you will be. If you want to talk about success. The more you try to build them up and make them into something that you want them to be, the more of a nightmare it's going to become. Most kids are an extension of their parents' ego. I really mean that. Most kids are an extension of their parents' ego. You know, I remember uh, <clears throat> one time is, you know, with that successful thing, and I think I told you guys about this when uh, Jerome Richter, I, he was talking to this, this guy, and the guy was like, all I know is I want my kids to be successful. I want to be, you know, 
know, he's like, I want him to have it better than I ever had it. You know, Jerry's like, yeah, I know what you mean. Like, you want to be a better dad. You want to be there more. You want to spend time with them. You want to teach them how to hunt and fish. And, and you know, you want to be with your little girls at their dance recitals and giving all your time because your dad didn't do that. And the guy's like, and he's like, oh, that, well, that's not what you were talking about. Oh, you meant you want him to have more money. Oh, yeah, no, I don't want that. And the guy just kind of like looked at the ground. What may, you, you, you want to crush the family, crush the father. Take him away. Pull the father out of the equation. It's going to be a nightmare. And then on top of that, let the father abuse the kid verbally and emotionally because he sucks at sports. Or the daughter. It's just, it, it's really incredible. It's success and fame and all this stuff, okay? So then the kid only feels loved when they're successful. What happens when they're not successful? What happens when they fail? Because I don't know, do we have this like crazy idea in our heads that we're never going to fail? Because you're going to fail. The vast majority of your life is probably going to be failure. <laughs> That's okay, you know, as long as you keep going, you know your love, and the love is there in the midst of it. That's what keeps us going. Okay, number three. Father. Yeah. Would you say even success, like, even after the child's successes, they still don't feel good enough? So it's like success yeah. after success. Yeah. I mean, it's a chase, it's a chase after something that doesn't exist. You know, because the, the, the parent will never be happy until they have reached the top. And the kid is never going to be able to give up working for that because he will never feel like he's good enough for dad until he's reached the top. And so what happens is, is even a win is good because dad's at least happy, but he's not satisfied. He's not even close to being where he needs to be because I'm not at the top. So I got to work even harder to make dad notice me to help me feel like I'm loved by my father. Dads, dads will do this. Moms will do it too, but dads are the ones that really, really like hone in on this and, and really create big wounds in people. It doesn't, again, it doesn't just have to be sports. You know, it can be like, I was just never good enough for dad. <clears throat> you know, like he was proud of me, but I just knew I was never good enough for him. He just kept pushing and pushing and pushing, you know, and disciplining and yelling and screaming. And then you got problems in the house. Mom and dad are fighting. So you don't feel loved. Now there's no love there. I mean, it's just like a freaking time bomb waiting to go off. And everybody's more concerned about doing than they are about being. Half a marriage is just being with each other and learning how to be with one another. Okay? So number three, uh, the parent should make sure that their kids are happy. Remember, I'm telling you these things. These are wrong. Okay? I want you to get home and be like, wow, these are all right. These are easy. <laughs> the third wrong way of parenting is to make that the parent thinks that they may have to make sure that their kids are happy. Well, if, I, if the kid fails, he won't be happy, so I have to minimize conflict in the home, minimize conflict at school, minimize conflict everywhere. You know, where, where in the New Testament does it say that Jesus died on the cross for you to be happy? Just throwing it out there. It doesn't. You don't have to answer that one. I'll answer it for you. It doesn't say that. Okay? It says he died on the cross so that you can be holy. Joy is a byproduct of holiness. So is happiness, but they're not primary. When you make sure your child is growing in holiness, sometimes you have to make them quite unhappy. <laughs> like, you gotta, I mean, there's times where you gotta be a jerk. You know, again, like, I, I watch out. 
I watch, you know, in order for a kid, like I was just, it was kind of cool. I was just over, you know, Mr. Ruggles. I was just over at his house and, and, and Max, you know, little Maxwell, he's just got that dude to break him. He's like, he's like Louis Zamperini. I mean, like, it's going to take a hell of a lot to break this kid. Because he's just like, we're playing kickball, you know, and he made, he made a dumb play and then he just gets, yes. And like, I'm ready to pitch to him and he's like this. <laughs> I'm like, Max, you ready to play? <laughs> you know, and I, and I pitch it to him and he kicks it. And then he runs and like, he doesn't really know the rules, you know, so he gets out and then he gets even more mad. And then finally he's like, I'm not playing anymore. And he like stomps up the thing. And then Reed's like, if you go, if you go in, you're going to bed. And he's like, I hate you. <laughs> and he's like, don't talk that way to me. You're going in, you're going to bed. And he just stands there on the stairs, you know, like what, I don't know what's going through this little kid's head. He's like, you can either be out here and be with Father Waltz and your dad and your brother and we can play kickball or you can go home, you can go in and go to bed. It's your choice. Then you can just, I mean, just fuming. <laughs> and he finally is just like, and he just stop, and he goes in. And I'm like, holy crap. Like, that was just a standoff between dad and Max. And he's like, just wait. <laughs> <laughs> so we're still playing. And all of a sudden he comes that guy's like, Dad, I want to play again. He's like, no, you go to bed. And he's like, no, I want to play. And he's like, you go to bed. And he's like, I want to play. And he's like, that's it. You know, and he like comes up the stairs. It was hilarious. You know, and he like takes him and he just drags him inside. And then, you know, Max disappeared. <laughs> well, anyway, like later on I went in, you know, and, and, and then, you know, Reed would go up. And he went into his room and he's like, Max, you know what? I did what I did, you know. He's like, he's like you, can't, you can't act that way. He's like, I wanted to be with you. Like, I wanted to play with you tonight. You know, I'm not home very often, but I wanted to play with you, and you didn't want to play. He's like, that, that, that can't, that's not good, buddy. And you know, and the kid's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Dad, I know. And he's like, I love you, Max. I love you too, Dad. You know, know. But like, that, that's good parenting, you know? I, and, and I've seen people, like, discipline the hell out of their kids. But then they go up and they explain why they did it, or you know, they're like holding them and hugging them, and like just just touch is such a big thing, you know. There's this, <laughs> or or saying I love you and like actually backing that up by your actions. But there's <clears throat> there's this old uh, a buddy of mine, his dad, like old German. Maybe some of you guys can uh, you know get online with this, but he just couldn't say I love you. He couldn't. I don't know what was wrong with. Him. Like, he was just, and he's a good man. He was just incapable of saying, I love you. Totally incapable. Like, I even, he even brought in, I was like, I was like, just say it to your kids. He's like, I don't need to say it. They know it. And I'm like, why can't you say it? He's like, because I don't need to. And I'm like, yeah, you do. He's like, he's like, hey, Tom, get in here. Kid comes in, he's like 13 or whatever. And he's like, hey, do I like... You know, I like care for you, and he's like, Dad, come on, you don't have to say that stuff. And I'm like, you've just passed it on to your kid. Like, you know, like the kid can't even say I love you. And the crazy part is, is like the the boys, because this guy is just like he's just a man's man. I don't know why he just can't say I love you. But like he always, you know, he'd be with the boys, he'd work with the boys. He, but the girls, you know, he was he was good to them. But he never said, I love you. And the boys are rock solid men. And the girls are struggling like crazy.
because they didn't have the Father's love, the touch, just saying it. You know? And that, it wounds them so deeply. So that can be a way in which they're not happy. I'm talking about, like, when I talk about this one, I'm saying it's okay for your kids not to be happy. It's okay. And by the way, I'm just a little, little tangent here. It's okay to beat your kids. I mean, I mean I'm, I'm not like pro, you know, violence and, and child abuse, but they, they, they need to be beat. No, they do in a, in a loving way. This timeout crap doesn't work. It doesn't work. Timeouts don't work. I have never seen it work. Maybe they do, but I've never seen it work. <clears throat> yeah. I'm actually in the toddler development course, and it's oh, been proven. Yes! Okay, keep going. But you know what they can put with the wrong act? A beating. <laughs> they are very, very conscious of that fact. You know, like I, I think I've often thanked my mom for beating me. I really mean that. And again, you guys, I, I just like saying beating because it sounds about. Yeah. I'm talking like a spanking. I'm not. I'm not like talking about kicking the kid across the. <laughs> I'm talking about a spank. But my mom hit me with like wooden spoons and, you know, because her hand hurt after a while, so she just grabbed a wooden spoon. And then would, the best is when it would break, you know, and then, then she'd get the metal spoon. Huh? Oh, yeah, she could. I know, she seems like this sweet little. Oh, she's a discipline. She's a Nazi. <laughs> she was she was she was great though. She was great. But I just my point is in the midst of this, you I, I I've just like we say the age of reason is seven. Okay? That means that according to Catholic philosophy, Christian philosophy, a child doesn't learn how to fully reason until they're seven years old. Okay, you know, what else doesn't reason? Animals, they don't have cognitive reasoning capabilities. And in order to make an animal do what it needs to do, you gotta beat the animal. No, I mean you do, you gotta put a shock, I'm not gonna say put a shock collar on your kid, but you gotta put a shock <laughs> collar on like a dog, right? <clears throat> By the way, a quick, just total side story. <laughs> this is great, shock collar. So. Maybe I told you the story, I don't know. We were out hunting, and uh, there's this priest, and he's got this dog, Goldie. And Goldie is like the worst hunting dog in, in America, <laughs> maybe in the world. And he has no control over Goldie. So like we're hunting, and we're out in Mott, where there's like thousands of birds. You know, and Goldie gets way out, and he's like, Goldie! <laughs> and it, it sees like a rabbit, and it starts, you know, birds are just flying everywhere, and we're like, <laughs> <laughs> so, at one point, my buddy Jason, he came up to me, and he has two dogs, and they are rock star dogs. But he has shot collars on. And he's like, he's like, hey, father, he's like, can you get Goldie over here? I'm like, oh, yeah. He's like, I got an idea. I'm like, I do, too. <laughs> so, like, I lured Goldie over with some bacon or something. You know, like, we get over, and we're, like, petting her, and he's putting the collar on her. 
and we just and he's like he's like it's like you know it's like going and I'm like what are you doing he's like I'm putting it at full power and I'm like what's gonna happen he's like we're gonna light this thing up like a Christmas tree and uh, this is probably abusive animals I'm sure anyway this dog got so far out and I look over and Jason's like just gives it this head nod and he's like beep and he's like and this dog like jumps straight up in the air comes flying back but here's the crazy part you know what the dog did the rest of the day it stayed by the guy and that's all it took was one time and actually the dog's not so terrible anymore you know and all you have to do is just put the collar on but I, and again I, i'm trying to make a little bit of analogy to break down time <laughs> And I'm not saying I'm pro like animal abuse, but I am pro you need to do stuff to a dog to make it learn. And in a certain sense to kids, you have there has to be some kind of corporeal punishment, some kind of a little bit of pain. I'm not saying like copious amounts of pain, but a little bit of pain. You know, that was another one with, with uh, Reed. He, you know, like again, Max, it was the same night. <laughs> this was prior, Max was all pissed about something. I can't remember. And, uh, and he just, you know, he's like, oh, he said, he said to his, he said to Tamara, it was so, this, I love Reed Ruggles, man. <clears throat> he said to Tamara, he's like, he's like, I'm not, he's like, I'm not going to sit at the table. I don't like you. And Reed turns around, he's like, don't you dare talk to your mother like that. You know, this suit, and Reed has this, this switch and, and I know it because I've seen it so much, but his kids even know it. <laughs> you know, like, as soon as he's sitting there talking, we're in the mid, mid sentence and just wham, like over to the, and Max is like. <laughs> and he's like, you say you're sorry. And he's like, I'm not saying sorry. And he just gets up and just bam, like that. And he's like, ah! And he's like, get upstairs. And he's like, don't come down until you're ready to say you're sorry. Well, I mean, it was literally like 30 seconds. And he's like, sorry, mommy. He's like, it's okay, Max. You know, and like, but it was beautiful. And then Max is back playing again. You know, and it just, it's just these little things that are constantly like, the kid knows when they've done something wrong. Whereas with the timeout, they don't know so much. <clears throat> you know, but by the time they're seven years old, then, you know, now we're like, now they can start reasoning. And if you haven't done anything up till then, good luck. Good luck, because they're already a mess. You know? But I'm extremely grateful to my mother for beating me. Okay? This is another thing I just put down here, too. <clears throat> it's like, I hate the games at school where everybody wins. Because you know what? Everybody doesn't win. That's just part of life. People fail. Some of you will fail terribly. And that's just part of life. But if you're told you're always a winner, then every time you fail, you're going to think you're a winner. And you're just going to keep down these terrible roads. So it's okay to fail, okay? Uh, to, to hide the, from this from them, they'll it, be stupid. Um, also, just a little side note, <clears throat> one way the, uh, the parents try to make their kids happy is buying them cell phones, uh, giving them all the technology they need, <clears throat> you know? And I, and I just have a little video here. This guy's uh, hilarious. Some parents really oh, struggle with, like, all the other kids have the, the terrible thing, so my kid has to, yeah, let's let, you know, let your kid go and be a better example to the kids. They doesn't, just because the other stupid kids have phones doesn't mean that, okay, well, my kid has to be stupid, otherwise she'll feel weird. Right. You know, I, I think these things are toxic. I don't, especially for kids. It's just this thing. It's bad. And right. they, they don't look at people when they talk to them and they don't build the empathy. You know, kids are mean and it's because they're trying it out. They, they look at a kid and they go, you're fat. 
and then they see the kid's face scrunch up and they go, ooh, that doesn't feel good to make a person do that. Right. But they but they got to start with doing the mean thing. But when they write your fat, then they just go, hmm, that was fun. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> that tasted good. Yeah, exactly. You need... The thing is, I you need to build an ability to just be yourself and not be doing something. That's what the phones yes. are taking away. Yes. Is the ability to just sit there like this. That's being a person, right? <laughs> yes. No one can, they gotta, uh, you gotta check. Because, there, you know, underneath everything in your life, there's that thing, that empty, forever empty. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> that, yes. Yes. Yes, I, yes. yes, I know that, what you're that talking about. Just knowledge that it's all for nothing and you're alone. You know, it's down there. And sometimes when things clear away, you're not watching it, you're in your car, and you start going, oh, no, here it comes that I am alone, like it starts to visit on you. You know, just the sadness. Yes. Life is tremendously sad just by, you know, being in it. And so you're driving, and then you go, uh, that's why we text and drive. I look around, pretty much 100% of people driving are texting. Yes. And they're killing, everybody's murdering each other with their cars. Yes. But people are willing to risk taking a life and ruining their own, because they don't want to be alone for a second. Because it's so hard. I was in my car one time, and a Bruce Springsteen song comes on. And it made me really sad. It's like Jungle, what the one's on Jungle song? Jungle Land. Jungle, it's one where he goes, Hurry! And he sounds far away. That's half of them. Yeah, that's a lot of them. <laughs> no, he goes, Nay, hey, 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 Except for it was Springsteen. If it was you doing that, I would have been like, what the hell is that in my radio? <laughs> I did it just the same yes. as Bruce. And I heard it, and it gave me kind of like a fall back to school depression feeling. It made me really sad. Yeah. And I go, okay, I'm getting sad. I've got to get the phone and write hi to like 50 people. <laughs> and then, you know, somebody cool writes back, and then somebody not as cool writes after, and I'm like, oh, f*** you, I'm not going <laughs> to... <laughs> Uh, hey, how come you didn't answer my text? Speaking of which, yeah, because he wrote he wrote first. That's right. So, anyway, I started to get that sad feeling, and I was reaching for the phone, and I said, "You know what? Don't. Just be sad. Just let the sadness stand in the way of it, and let it hit you like a truck." And I let it come, and Bruce, and I just started to feel, "Oh my God." And I pulled over and I just cried like a bitch. I cried <laughs> so much. And, I, and it was beautiful. It was like this beautiful, it's just this sadness is poetic. You're, you're lucky to live sad moments. And then I had happy feelings because when you let yourself feel sad, yes. your body has like antibodies. It has happiness that comes rushing in, <laughs> rushing in to meet the sadness. So you're, I was grateful to feel sad. And then I met it with true profound happiness. It was such a trip, you know? Oh, well, whatever. That's almost the end. So, anyway, I love that guy. He's the same one that does everybody's happy, or everything's amazing and nobody's happy, right? But, uh, yeah, so cell phones, okay? 
you know, the, what's, what's striking to me is that you ever notice that older uh, people, when they were parents, they didn't care so much if their kids were happy. They cared that their kids had a work ethic, were disciplined, knew how to take care of themselves. And, and for a lot of them, you know, of Christian descent, were <clears throat> practicing their faith. That's what they cared about. I don't know if you, I mean, if you heard stories, you heard like, sometimes you don't hear it because grandparents, you know, grandparents are like, they're like angels. You know, it's like they never did anything bad in their life and they're just happy and they give you what you need and they're just, they're beautiful people. But, you know, they had a past. <clears throat> and there's, there's, when I was out at, um, in Minokin, I was out at Paris, there's a, there's a bunch of ranchers out there. And like, those are, they were some hard men. Those dads were some hard men. But their kids are good, flipping kids. You know what I'm talking? Now they're like in their 40s and 50s. <clears throat> and they're still solid. They, and they have good kids. But they grew up on the farm and like, it was hard work and they didn't get what they wanted. And like the stories you hear are hilarious. They're hilarious. You know, like they would, you know, there'd be like two kids, you know, and they, you know, they, by the time the, the first two had gone, all the hot water was gone. And so you just, you know, you just showered. And then while they were showering, you know, one guy would come and throw like cow manure over the shower and then there'd be a fight. But like they had these huge families, this huge brotherhood, <clears throat> but the dad was like over everybody, you know, he would lead the rosary every day. But at other times, I remember he was, <laughs> this one guy was telling me a story. He was in the tractor, and they pulled up to the gate. <clears throat> the gate, you know, he's like, get out and open the gate. He's like, okay. Gets out, and he's like kind of dinking around with it. He's like, can't get it open. He's like, open the gate. He's like, uh, and all of a sudden, he just flooded. just went right over the gate. Ripped the whole fence out. <clears throat> he's like, what are you doing? He's like, next time, get the gate open faster and fix that before you eat supper tonight. And he drove home. <clears throat> you know, and yeah, like some of you are like, like, that was commonplace. That was normal. You know? And now you hear, like, I mean, honestly, there's stories of, like, you know, like, if a kid talked back where the dad would throw down on a kid. And again, I'm not saying this is all healthy. <laughs> right? But the way that kids talk to their parents now is just insane. It's insane. You got a grown man and his 18-year-old kid is, like, just lipping off to him and all this stuff. I mean, like, I don't, like, <laughs> I just know some older guys that were some pretty hard men that that just, it didn't fly. Like, you just didn't do that. And, though, and their kids were good kids. <clears throat> so sometimes you can't just make them happy. You know, in fact, most of the time, you can't just make them happy. Okay? But you do want them to have it better. Okay? So the final reason. <clears throat> Secular parent says that we must make sure children have good self-esteem. <clears throat> Gotta have good self-esteem. <clears throat> you know, and again, I think that <clears throat> the traditional approach is is like, you know, never tell them anything's wrong. Because if you tell them something's wrong, you know, like I remember in high school. I was grading papers with a red pen, and one of the student teachers, who was like, you know, doing their whatever that thing is, student teaching, <laughs> came in. I was in the, in the conference room, and I was correcting in red ink. And she's like, oh, you still use red ink? And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, oh, you know, they, they say you're not supposed to do that because it can offend, it, it can make a kid feel bad. <laughs> you know, and I just took my pen, I was like, 
<laughs> Ran all over the paper. I was like, I hope they feel terrible. You know, she was like, <laughs> no, it's just stupid. Like, I can't even use flipping red ink because a kid might feel good. He should feel bad. He's an idiot. He doesn't know how to write. His sentence structure sucks. His grammar's terrible. He doesn't know how to spell. He's stupid. Now, there are people, right, that suffer from learning disabilities. That's a different story. But somebody who's just damn lazy needs to be hit. Or something. I remember I once had two kids come into me and they were like, this kid, this one kid was just an idiot. And they said, they're like, Father, can, is it ever like charitable to kick someone's ass? Because <laughs> I, I knew they were planning to beat this kid up at some point. There were like five of them. <clears throat> and I'm like, yeah, I think so. <laughs> I said, as long as you know you're doing it for, for the good of the kid, and, and you know, it's not too terrible, and, and, you, and you, you want to help him, too. Yeah, I think that could be helpful. You know? I mean, so, there's this thing that, like, we can't just tell everybody everything's okay, and then, then that's going to build their self-esteem. You know? You want to build a young woman's self-esteem, and you're a, you're a father? Tell her she's beautiful. <clears throat> Show her how to love. So that she doesn't have to go seeking love from somebody else. Teach her that she's a beloved daughter of God. That you love her just for who she is, not for what she does. And she'll have good self-esteem. Correct her when she's wrong. Love her after she's been punished. Teach her what fatherhood is, and she will have good self-esteem. Be an absent father. Tell her everything's okay. Give her everything she wants. She's going to be so damn insecure, she's going to fall for any jack wagon that walks through the door. It's just the way it is. Like, we're, we're so screwed up. I don't know how we got to this. You know? And the thing is, this is everybody's like, don't offend anybody. Screw that. I'm sick of it. You know, I'm not going to outwardly try to offend you. <clears throat> you know, if you're, you know, an atheist, I'm not going to call you an idiot. Why am I calling you an idiot? But I wouldn't, I'm not going to, like, berate you because of it. <clears throat> but I'm not going to sit back and be like, oh, that's okay. You're okay. I'm okay. Everybody's okay. Let's just be okay. Can't we all just be happy? Can't we all just be nice? Can't we coexist? No, we can't. We can't. We can't do that. <clears throat> because it doesn't work. We're trying to coexist and it sucks. It's not working right now. <clears throat> so let's have logical <laughs> debates about the truth. How about that? Anyway, sorry. Just got off on a little tangent there. Okay. Um, and again, you know, I just, I want to, I want to hammer it. It's like the fifth time. In the end, the answer to all of these problems, I'm convinced, is being overdoing. Right? If you're just with the kid, loving the kid, that will cover a multitude of failures on your parenting part. You're going to screw up like crazy. But the thing is, and you're going to lose your, your, your patience, and you're going to, you know, your temper is going to get the best of you, and all these things, but will you, will you be with the kid? Will you be with your wife? Or does it all become about doing? i got to work. i got to get more money so I can get my kids more stuff, so I can screw them up. <laughs> you know, like, that's, that's the recipe. Less, less of your time, more of other people's time, Less of your love, more of other people's loves, 
That's what's going to screw kids up. That's why I'm convinced that this lack of fatherhood, this crisis of fatherhood, the, the lack of fathers and families and their presence is what is killing our society. It's killing. And it's killing women. But I think in the end, right, and this is why I don't think you can ever, ever condemn me as a feminist, like a feminist hater. <laughs> why would you ever condemn me as a feminist? <laughs> a feminist hater. <clears throat> or, or uh, you know, against women's rights. I blame men. I blame men for all of it. Because if you have good men, women will follow. Women will want to be good women. The reason is we have bad men and women feel like they got no other choice and they just want to be loved because they had bad men in their life that never told them that they were loved, that never taught them what love was, and so now they're trying to find it. It's all men. It's either fathers or it's idiot college kids. It's all men. I'm telling you, if the men got it together, it would save the world. Now, women, you can help immensely, or you can hinder immensely. And we'll talk about that when we talk about women, okay? Ah, boy. Okay, so, I'm going to be done there. I told you we finished a little bit early. Um, Two minutes. <laughs> like I normally do. Um, so next week I want I want to go into just our last little bit on Saint Joseph and what true masculinity is, what it looks like. So we've been talking a lot about what it isn't, but now what it is and how to practically live it out. Okay. We'll look a little bit at Saint Peter as well, and then we'll jump from there uh, in, into uh, all of the femininity stuff. Ooh, <laughs>